this is Max, and this is The Uncommon Truth, in search of the church the way Jesus meant it to be. Today on the podcast, we are tackling the topic of salvation. Salvation is at the very heart of the Christian message, and yet it's something we often misunderstand or get confused about, or maybe even overlook entirely. So I'm joined today by Steve Orsillo. He's the founding and senior pastor at the Father's House Church here in Oroville, Northern California. And he's going to be sharing with us his reading of the New Testament based on the words of Jesus and what Jesus has to say about salvation. And I think that's going to be uncommon for a lot of us. So stick with us. You have the uncommon truth. Okay, so so Steve, what I wanted to talk about with you today is is salvation because it's such a it's such a key thing to Christianity and yes, it is. And I think a lot of us look at salvation as as like the doorway to Christianity, and then you don't think about it anymore. I, I guess at least that was my my experience with salvation and the gospel, sort of being just this one time thing. And great, I'm in. Now what? And so I, I wanted talk a little bit before we talk about what the uncommon view of salvation is or, or the one that uh, you found in your in your years of reading the Bible. Before we get there, I want to know, what do you see as the, the common everyday view of, of salvation and, and what most people in the West and in North America particularly believe? So in the modern era, uh, if you're asking me what other people believe, you know, we all struggle with this conversation. We all struggle because you're talking to people, no matter where you are talking to Christian people, you have no idea what their reference point is. But getting to know them, you find out that they think that a baby whose water is dropped on their head hmm. is saved, and they have an assurance of salvation. Now, that would be my experience as a childhood. You are saved because they baptized you as an infant all the way to probably once saved, always saved, where as an adult, you confess Christ once, you say you believe, and there is nothing you can do to lose that or not have that. It is yours. And I find that to be the case with people who know a loved one who is like a heroin addict, but when they were a kid, they worshiped and they loved the Lord and they prayed the prayer. And then they're living out there as an addict or a a very promiscuous person, and their loved ones would find it hard to believe they're not saved. And so they create a theology, and I think most of that comes from Calvinism, which would be uh, eternal security. Right. Now, Calvin didn't preach that, where you could live any way you want, nor do most people believe that. They just simply believe that if you do those things, then you were never a Christian in the first place. Right. You were only I've by saying, yeah. And honestly, that's probably the truth. If you live that way, you never really were a Christian. Mm -hmm. That's probably defendable. But I, what I've done in my life is been so confused, kind of like back and forth, depending on who you're talking to, knowing the perspective they're talking, like trying to get context for what they're saying when they're talking about it. And you think, okay, I, I'm pretty sure their their religion or their belief comes from this 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 angle. And then you read the Bible, and you come to a verse, and you say, but that doesn't work with what people believe. That doesn't work. This doesn't work. That doesn't work. And 
quite frankly, it doesn't take very long to get confused and stop talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. you're just going to cause strife. You're going to cause more people will reveal that they don't really know their answer. Mm-hmm. They really don't know. They just say some words that they've heard either in a worship song or on the radio or come from their own desire that people be saved, so they just say they're saved and or to excuse their own behavior. And so the subject of salvation is probably the most important subject for any Christian to know what they believe, for it to line up with biblical teaching and to be a biblically-based answer for how salvation works. Yeah, so when I was thinking about this and um, as I've been here and and researching, I, I decided to I decided to look up a bunch of statements of faith from denominations that I've been a part of in the past, and and to be honest, I was I was more confused after reading them than I was when I started because um, I don't know, yeah, yeah. I, I remember being at camp with uh, with kids, and I would I would make my Bible studies for them because our our goal was to get these kids who had never come to never been to church, never grown up in a Christian home, we wanted to introduce them to Jesus and the gospel in a really a simple way that they could understand from whether they're 8 or, or 17 years old or anywhere in between. And so I had these models that, that were taught to me, like the, um, the bridge model, like it's really easy to draw out, or um, we even had these things called the Vanja cubes. They're like little Rubik's cubes with pictures on them, and it's just super right. simple. And, and the cool thing was kids could take them home and show their parents the the gospel um, pictorially, and, and it was really easy for them to replicate, but it didn't do a whole lot for explaining what was actually happening. So I just kept, uh, in a, uh, reading these statements of faith, I kept finding the same words, but the words weren't defined, <laughs> and it was it was difficult to, difficult to understand, one, what they meant, but what does that mean for for me to live this out? if I'm going to be a Christian. So I, I kind of wanted to know, when you first became a Christian, what what was that like? What, what was your understanding of the gospel sort of from day one all the way until until you feel like you'd, you'd started to form what you would believe today? So my formation at the altar of what I believed was going on the day that I went forward and prayed a prayer to receive Jesus Christ— Having been raised Catholic, I was told I was saved because of the sacraments. The sacrament of baptism was done for me. Therefore, that if I fulfill the rest of the sacraments, attend confession regularly, take communion regularly, I would be saved no matter what I did. Mm -hmm. Now, mortal sin is the only thing that can wipe out baptism in those, in those, and you must be confessed of you must be confessed of those to be forgiven. But what I noticed in the seas of Catholic people that I grew up with, it did not appear that people believed what they were saying they believed. I mm-hmm. thought, is God even real is where I came to. So when I went to that altar, I had one goal in mind. Is he real or is he not? I had had zero evidence either way. I mean, I had some prayers. I prayed, like, don't let my brother go to Vietnam, and he didn't go to Vietnam, but Neither did a lot of people. It might not have been God. So I went forward to find out, is he real? And in a 20-second prayer, I prayed for forgiveness of sin and felt a weight come off me, a faith in Jesus, a come into my heart, um, 
and save me. Be my Lord, I will follow you. And so when I opened my eyes, I knew he was real. It was later that I remembered the prayer I prayed. Oh, I said I would follow him. (laughs) I said he would be my Lord. And I began to look at what that meant. What the people at the altar told me was, you're saved. The day you got saved. And yet when I read the Bible, which I began immediately that night reading the Bible, I even that night came upon verses and I said, how is that saved past tense? How is that Mm -hmm. a done deal if this verse is true? And I would read on the Gospel of John was the you know second book I read. First one was Revelation, also written by John. The second one was the Gospel of John. Yeah, I don't and, think most people would recommend that order for the first night of oh, no. Christianity. Oh, no. My, my sister-in-law, who wasn't my sister-in-law for two more weeks, but she was going crazy. Don't read that. Read She tried to keep me from reading Revelation. <laughs> and, I mean, I really, that one freaked me out. I mean, they're scorpions. I mean, they're biting. So I was, you know, I went to the book of John because I was told the Bible's God's word. So I decided to believe it, but it did not fit what they told me. You are saved. And no matter what I read, and I went through maybe a few years, probably many years, I could have added up to quite a few of trying to believe what they told me and trying to ignore what I kept reading Jesus say and the parables and the stories. And I'd say, no, that doesn't fit. Hmm. Paul the Apostle saying, don't be deceived. Every one of you, including me, will sit before, stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ and give account for what we've done. Well, if we're saved... What are we doing? And he said, if you believe the gospel that I preached to you, you are being saved, being, not been, not are saved, but being saved. Mm. And if you believe any other gospel, then you believe in vain. And, you know, we all know that it says, I ask crowds this all the time, what does the Bible say? it takes to be saved. And 100% of the people say, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. All of these things they say that make you saved. And I say, yes, it says that a few times. But what about the 13 times where it says, endure to the end and you shall be saved. Believe to the end. Overcome to the end. And I mean, it says it in a million different ways. And I began to read these things. I was preaching the other, you know, that on on the day you were saved, or I went out and prayed with a guy who got saved. And I always use that past tense terminology, and it started to really bother me in light of what I was reading. Mm -hmm. So I really seek the Lord and, you know, and, and really want to know the truth. I don't want to think I'm saved if I'm not. It was kind of irritating to me to be told as a kid I was saved when I knew I didn't even believe. How could I be saved from my parents' choice to drop water on my head? Right. So I knew that was kind of goofy, and I just I didn't want to be that. I didn't want to give false hope, and I didn't want to take away real hope. People who were excited, I didn't want to take their excitement away. People who were lost, I didn't want to give false hope to them. No matter how you live, you're saved. I knew that that's not what the Bible said. Mm -hmm. So I guess I really came to the conclusion, Max, that I wanted to be a biblical Christian 
and not preach popular things, but preach what I what God was showing me. Right. And when I saw those verses overcome to the end, I'm thinking that does not fit what anybody teaches that I know. And then I read in in uh, the seven letters in Revelation, I read where he said, if you do these things, I will not erase your name. And I stood up, it was a Wednesday night Bible study for men that I did this, I was studying those letters, and we read the verse, if you do these things, you're, I will not erase your name. And everyone at the table just looked up and said, does that mean he erases names? Because it's only if you do these things, he won't erase your name. That's a. Those are big two letters there. Yeah. Like, if. Yeah. Right, because that means it's freak- conditional. It got us freaked out. And in fact, one guy said... I have ne- he exclaimed out loud, I have never seen that line before in that letter. And I said, I know, me neither. And it really started me on the journey. I know that was about 20 years ago, and I've been a Christian 44 years. So I was in struggle for a really long time of this definition of saved mm-hmm. or being saved or will be saved. And then one day I just began to seek the Lord. I was on a cruise ship having visitations every day in my quiet time vacation away from the hubbub and just started saying i want the truth you know mm-hmm. and he he didn't tell me you can't handle the truth he said okay <laughs> so here's the question of salvation i have do i know it no i don't know it all but i do know a couple things i know that i want to ask the question if salvation is a done deal then why does he put so many parables such as any branch in me obvious believer in Christ who does not bear good fruit will be cut off and thrown in a fire 10 bridesmaids with lamps of oil with oil waiting for the bridegroom five use their oil up squander it five have their oil lamps filled when the bridegroom comes and the five go in and the five bridesmaids that thought they were going in don't go in yeah he says i i never knew you they're knocking right like Uh hey we're here now and he says i never knew you and i know i i remember i still remember that from francis chan's basic series yeah um, when he i just remember his face like just wide-eyed and like the just the very words i never knew you the fact that they they could be spoken to some of us he, I remember him saying, like, doesn't that scare you <laughs> that he might say to you, I never knew you. Yeah. And and even the one, you know, like, hey, these these folks, they fed me and they clothed me and and you didn't do that. And both sets of groups say, when did we see you that, Hungry you know, thirsty? Yeah. Right. So I, I, I know. And that fits with what you've said before. I've heard you say this. I don't want to ever read a Bible verse that contradicts my theology, right? That's right. Explain that to me. So all those years reading, when you settle on the people that showed you that God was real, that Jesus Christ responds to the prayer, forgive me, and come into my heart. I mean, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they said I was saved past tense. Mm -hmm. So whenever I read these verses of the 
bridesmaids, the the guy that with the wrong garment at the wedding feast who's turned over to the torturers. It says uh, the other guy depart from me. We never knew. I never knew you. Didn't we not prophesy in your name? Depart from me. I never knew you. Mm-hmm. Um, the goats away to eternal punishment. All the different verses. I'd have to just say, oh, uh, that doesn't fit what I believe, and I'd have to skip it. Right, and I'd have to say how that does. I don't understand it, but I'll forget that. I remember doing that. It's almost like you're you you put a dog ear on your page, like, well, I'll come back to that. Yeah, we'll have because to work I'll, on I, that I think later. I'll I, I think I'll have to figure that one out, and um, or maybe maybe I'll understand that next year when I read through this bit of my Bible again. Or um, I know for me, I would get to some of those and and. I would go. I would actually go online to look up what what people who I knew already believed with me. Um, I already believed the same things. I would see what they said because I already trust this guy in because he's telling me what I want to hear right. in this part of my theology and this part of my theology and and I don't want to be like those people over there who believe these different things. So I'm going to go to preacher X and right. he's going to tell me how to interpret that right and. Um, I think that just came from my desire to, my desire to to be right. Like I think we have that it, within every one of us. We want to live consistently, right? We want to live consistently with what we what we say we believe, and we we want to have a, a a religion or a theology or a worldview, whatever you want to say that that fits all areas, that answers all the questions, right? And so when you when you find there's like a chink in your armor. Mm-hmm. You can either you can either start you know looking at that and be like, hey, where did this come from? Why why is there a chink in this part of my my thoughts, my thought process? Or you can say, well, I, I'll just cover that with another plate there in my armor, and and I'm not going to think about it. And I think I did that for a really long time, and I don't think it was necessarily conscious. I don't think I was sitting there like, well, that one doesn't fit right, so I'm gonna I'm going to keep going, or but. I definitely like. I definitely remember finding verses that just did not did not they don't mesh fit. with what I thought. So you have to pass them by. And you know, I, I in my journey from day one now forty four years in my journey, I desperately was looking for the why doesn't what it says in Acts? Why doesn't the commission of Christ? You know, you'll preach the gospel, lay your hands on the sick. Why is it so hit and miss? Why is it not? You know, I just mm-hmm. on a journey, I want what you want. So I cry out to the Lord, where is the book of Acts church that gives its all to take yeah. care of those that don't have, that that lays down their life? You read the historical records of Christians in Rome who laid down their life to preach the gospel to Romans. And you say, where is that, Lord? Where is the book of Acts church? And he actually answered me one day, which is the reason we are where we are at the Father's House Church. That was the meeting for me with God where he spoke to me and told me how to read the Bible, told me how to not be confused anymore, and told me how to get these subjects straight. And I said, Lord, where is your book of Acts Church? And he said, just as clear as a bell, you are all confused. Hmm. And I said, I was just shocked, confused. I'm not confused. (laughs) And it was really clear, you, meaning me, are confused. And I said, what do I do to not be confused? 
And he told me, he began to share with me how to read the Bible, and his instructions were, read only Jesus until I tell you otherwise. Hmm. And when I started reading only Jesus, I was compelled. I was overwhelmed with the challenge of lining up with what Jesus said. No one who takes the plow and turns back is worthy of the kingdom of heaven. No one who who fails to forgive their brother will be forgiven. Right. No one who judges will 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 escape judgment. But he who doesn't judge, he who judges not will not be judged. That's who I need to be. Mm-hmm. He who forgives will be forgiven and I began the journey of forgiving. And making sure, going, hey, it's all under the blood. No, not unless I put it under the blood, then mine can be under the blood. I mean, there's a story in Matthew 18 of a guy who is in debt and he gets forgiven his debt. Then he goes out and doesn't forgive debt. And the debt he was already forgiven of is placed back on him and it says you'll you'll not get out of jail until you pay every cent right and all of us know he can't pay any cents yeah, it was in like, jail it was like a million dollars yeah in today's money so that was a that was a life sentence for not forgiving and i'm like wait a minute do you know that a person's sins that are forgiven them can be put on them and people say oh you're taking that too far i said well read the last sentence in that story This is how your heavenly father will deal with you if you do not forgive your brother his debt against you. It's a promise of Jesus Christ, and I'm not looking around him anymore. Right. For me to be forgiven, I must not hold others accountable to their debt to me. And so it really changed my life. And I think I'd been a pastor 20 years by then. I think, I mean, I'm completely getting transformed, and I'm starting to read only Jesus, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So at the end of reading Jesus for almost two years, the Lord told me to now read the epistles from the standpoint, from the perspective of these guys are interpreting Jesus's words, some of them right after he said them, and some right. of them very like very few years later. Right. They're telling you what Jesus, his words mean in life. So you want context? Mm-hmm. Read how their lives contextualize what Jesus said. Right. So they, they take what was parables and and sort of broad understanding, and they nail it down right to, to application. In, this, in this city, in this time, this is how it's going to work for right. you. That's right. They make it, uh, they apply it to life. Paul left his world to go preach Jesus. Peter, all of those guys left their homes, wives, everything to preach Jesus. They laid it down, and he's telling me, read it from the perspective of they knew Jesus. Mm. They listened to him. He explained deeper to them than he did to us. So then I asked, then why does the Bible have all this other stuff, Old Testament, and why do we we have that? And he said, you read that to find out who I am. I change not. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if you have a theology that excuses or changes God, it is really good to know the old covenant method in which he handled them, how he covered them, how he judged them, how he showed them mercy and gave them more chances, but punished them as well. It is important to remember that he didn't change. He is that God who has a new covenant with us who believe in Jesus. 
and he and he's not a man that he should lie. He's mm-hmm. God, and he will live his covenant. I will forgive you. I will erase your sins if you erase others' sins, mm-hmm. if you don't judge. Now, that when you read the verse that says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, I have to tell you, believe must be defined as forgive hmm. others. It, I mean, they, or it's contradictory. Jesus said, or the Lord spoke to me and said, the reason you're confused is you're trying to live two covenants as one. It is contradictory. They're nothing alike. They have two different standards. One is an eye for an eye and an ear for an ear. The other is when you lose an ear, you forgive the guy who took your ear. You don't take his ear. Mm-hmm. That's totally contradictory. I think that was the that was actually the first sermon I heard you preach when we came for for that wedding. It was I think it was early on in the book of Matthew. It was the new covenant is here. I'm I'm bringing you a new covenant and and I still remember you talked about you got the choice which covenant you want to to live under. And and you can choose to live under the old covenant but you're going to have to live up to your end of the bargain. Um, I, I still remember. So you're in the business of of building things. You were you were built houses and apartment complexes, right. and and so you talked about like I know what it means to abide by a contract, because if I don't hold up my end of the bargain, I know that contract spells out exactly what's going to happen to me. Right. And and I I can use that contract to hold you up to your end of the bargain if you don't hold hold your side of the deal. Um, and that's, that's right. exactly what the old covenant said. Like this is what we agree to, and this is this is what you need to do. But if you if you don't, this is what's going to happen to you. And it's very right. it's very eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth and ear for an ear, right? Yeah. Um, and and so one thing that that helped me kind of understand that is somebody told me that that Jesus is like a prism for for seeing the the Old Testament or he, he takes the Old Testament the Old Covenant and he there's a lot in the Sermon on the Mount like you've heard it said that this and he'll say he'll spew something from the Old Covenant from the law and he'll say but I say to you this right this is what it this is what it was and this is what it's now going to be in and when the the elders and the scribes come up to him and say, "Well, what about divorce?" and he said, "Well, that was given to you because you had hardness of heart, but now this is how it was always meant to be, right?" So it's it's and then when you read the epistles, especially Romans, it talks about, "Well, um, this is what the the law was meant to do, and now we have the law that brings freedom." But we like just talking to one of the students here, and she was saying like. I was so confused for so long because I, I was picking and choosing from old covenant, new covenant. I was basically forming my own worldview based on right, own religion, actually. Right? Yeah. 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 So that's what mar I marvel at. What I we decided to do designing our school of ministry was in the Salvation Month just share what it says about salvation. And I would say it's so many, it's such a high percentage come to me and say, um, I don't think I was saved. <laughs> and I, of course, have a different viewpoint. Okay, you weren't saved, you think, but you, I can also tell you you weren't unsaved. It's, it's this process of living a life of salvation. It is running the race to the end, like Paul says. Mm-hmm. It is doing all of this so that we might attain to the resurrection so that 
and you know and and win the race win the prize paul called it you know the first will be last and the last will be first everyone who runs the race wins everyone who doesn't run the race and that's what paul was saying if you don't run to the finish line and that's what he said i'm running this race to the finish line i'm not going to have run my whole life and stop short i'm going to run all the way there and mm-hmm. it's really the that with the first or last and the last or first means everyone gets the same prize the only way everyone can be first and last is if we tie right. and that is not uh, who wins a race it's who gets a prize mm-hmm. and we all get the same award salvation the swift the slow the smart the not as smart the gifted and the ungifted all get the same prize regardless of the order of finish across the line we run the race to completion and i think that when these people say you know wow i don't think i was saved i've been in church 20 years i don't think i was saved i say well yeah but it's not done you're not Mm -hmm. dead you're not it's not like you're not saved it's that you're either doing what jesus said and forgiving others not judging others, obeying him. That was the other thing mm-hmm. he said. If you love me, you'll obey me. Yeah. And everyone who loves me obeys me. And what is he what is he commanding? It's that love one another. So I believe that if if we have the fortunate advantage of having the scripture illuminated for us, that Every one of them, when people tell me I'm saved, I say, then what does it mean by every branch in me that does not bear fruit, I will cut it off and throw it in a fire? Why is that there? What's Mm -hmm. that talking about? In me. Right. And then the question doesn't, uh, it isn't, well, did I pray a prayer X amount of years ago? It's, it's, did I, am I bearing fruit for him right now? Yeah. Am I, and bearing fruit for him can be taken two ways. And I think that both of them are correct. One is, Am I loving others as I have been loved? Which means forgiving because I've been forgiven. I'm removed from judgment. So am I removing them from my judgment? And when I say that, I don't mean being told you're wrong or what you're doing is wrong. I mean determining that someone is saved or not saved. The word for judgment that is forbidden there is the final determination of their soul. So if you are not saying, oh, that guy's going to hell or that guy's going to heaven, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. then you too will not be judged until you stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an answer for what you did with the knowledge of believing in him, the Mm -hmm. knowledge that he's real. I found out back in 75 that he was real. What have I done with that knowledge? Did I just walk away and say, hey, he's real. I'll deal with it later and then end up dying before I dealt with it? Hmm. Or did I do something with the understanding that he's real, the story is true? He died for me and he died for my world. What did I do with that? Yeah. It's the the talents. You were given these great talents, these great beliefs, these great understandings, these great revelations. What did you do with them? And that, I think, is what we're all going to face. And there are, you know, so many different beliefs. I think the best way to find out what's true is just read it 
and respond to it and shut out the noise from everything else. Quit letting TV tell you what's right and wrong. Quit letting actors and actresses and sports stars influence what's right. Read Jesus. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And when you're done with that, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And when you're done with that, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And just for the sake of really getting it right, do it a fourth time, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read the red letters in Acts and read the letters to the Re- in Revelation to the churches. Read them all four times. Eat, drink, breathe the words that Jesus said while he was on the earth that have been recorded for us in the Bible. And see if your belief doesn't change. Mm-hmm. I guarantee it will. He will transform you. If your eye causes you to sin, cut it off. What? I mean, where does that fit? Right. Where the heck does that come from? <laughs> cut your eye out, or if you're sinning, or don't sin. Right. Like, keep your eye, quit sinning. Mm-hmm. Keep your hand, quit sinning. And then today, we don't even believe in quit sinning. It's just the grace covers me. Right. It's all good. It's all under the blood. Well, what was he talking about? You have to mm-hmm. ignore that to be able to believe that. Yeah. I don't want to ignore anything anymore, and I'm not going to ever preach it again. So I hope I can be forgiven for having preached it in the past, but I was ignorant. And I think that anybody, even a thief on a cross at the last moment, Mm -hmm. can declare Jesus' kingdom, cry for mercy, have mercy on me, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I mean, right at the minute, in the hours before you die, you can can come to this revelation and be... Mm -hmm justified before jesus christ you can have a great judgment seat with what you did i think people try to belittle what the thief in the cross did but i think declaring jesus's kingdom in front of his torturers declaring it when he's still alive those guys are still able to inflict him with incredible pain was a phenomenal statement of Mm -hmm. faith he did mm. not do nothing on that cross. He proclaimed Jesus' kingdom and lordship and asked to be remembered mercifully in his kingdom. Yeah, and, and I think moving here, the the journey that we're on, because we we felt we had too many things in our in our life and our worldview that were just inconsistent, I think doing that, we basically said, All right, Jesus, show us Show us which of these is is going to bear fruit, right? And we we tried the I don't know we tried that first the first like, hey you know everything's done, um, I'm a Christian now. The gospel is a one time or the salvation and the gospel message is a one time thing that I accepted, and it just felt like now what? And I I think there's there's so many people that are sitting there now what now what do I do with this basically. I, I just picture myself sitting on the couch for the rest of eternity, waiting for Jesus to come back and doing nothing about it. On the other side, um, I've heard you say you're not going to you, you're not going to get to heaven and have him say, "Well, you did too much," right? He's not going to say, or if he does say, "Wow, you you really killed it out there. You didn't have to do all that." Uh, it's kind of like Pascal's wager. Like, what have yeah. you really lost? Right? You've right. you've given up something finite to gain something infinite. But the the converse of of living it up uh, for yourself in this life, or or even just sitting around waiting for <laughs> waiting for your time to be in the kingdom, instead of 
uh, actively doing your thing to bring the kingdom here, doing his thing, the payoff for that could be really severe. And that's where the the scorpions come in and the knocking on the door and I never knew you and oops, I'm a goat, you know, that's, that's kind of scary. So I just, I think there's a lot more to, to go after in this salvation discussion. I think there's a lot more understanding. And I, I also think there's probably some questions that as I, as I sit with this, that I'll probably, I'll probably say, but what about this when I was told this, or what about this message that I grew up with? And I think there's probably a lot of people listening that have that that what about this? So I think next time we talk, I'd like to talk a little bit about that. Like, okay, so where does this fit or where does that fit? Or how does this make you live? Knowing this and and reading the Bible and, and getting this new understanding, this new old understanding of what it what salvation actually entails, what does that mean for my life now? Mm. Um, and what are the what are the may, maybe are the consequences of in this life of not doing that so yeah thank thank you so much for your time you bet well that's all the uncommon truth we have time for this week but come back and join us next week as we're joined by a special guest jordy mumby he's the director of our school of transformation here in orville and he's going to share with us his views on salvation specifically what an uncommon view of salvation leads to in your life so definitely don't miss that And if you're enjoying the podcast, please don't hesitate to share it with a friend or leave us a rating or review on iTunes or Google Play or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts at. We would really appreciate that. For more information on the Father's House Church and our school and ministries, you can check out the show notes below. We've got our website and the website for our School of Transformation, as well as all of our social media. You can get even more Uncommon Truth at our YouTube channel, where our our sermons uh, on Wednesdays and Sundays are shared. You'll get messages from Steve and Jordy and the rest of the Father's House Pastor team there. Until next week, this has been The Uncommon Truth.